Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Our scripture for today is John 14, 25 through 27. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Dear God, may the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, and whether because, uh, because of my words or in spite of them, may you receive all of the glory, and may, may we grow to love more like you. Amen. So Patrick told me that I was supposed to preach about the Holy Spirit, which is no small task, because the Holy Spirit does a lot of things. Um, while there is much that could be said, I really want to focus on our statements that we make about the Holy Spirit in our NDUMC creed. If we are saying this creed every single Sunday, then it's probably important that we know what it is that we're saying. Um, that creed was written by members of this church in 2019. That was four years ago. And so, today, we're going to be talking about some of the ideas that we're tossing around in that creed. About how the Spirit enlivens us, directs us, and comforts us. But first, I have a question, and you all are going to be the ones to talk about it. So, okay, I'm going to have a phrase, I'm going to say a phrase, and you're going to have one minute to think about it by yourself. Don't talk to other people yet. It's not your turn. But then I'm going to give you three minutes, and then I want you to talk to the people around you about what does, that, what does this phrase mean, and how does it make you feel when you hear it? What does it mean? And how does it make you feel? I'm timing you, okay? So we ain't playing around. This sermon ended up longer than I wanted it to be, so I'm not playing around. Okay, the phrase is, God, oh wait, let me make sure I'm saying it correctly. I wrote it down for this reason. Okay, God lives inside of you. Okay, that's the phrase. God lives inside of you. What does that mean? And how does it make you feel? One minute to think about it to yourself starts now.
Okie dokie, that is one minute. Now for three minutes, turn to the people around you and share. What do you think that means and how does it make you feel? Go. children like that, I can assure you. So, I'm going to ask two groups to share what was said in your group. Who would like to volunteer? This is the part where the introverts from the extroverts, they get separated out. Art volunteered you, Joyce. What do you think? He's got an extra 
Well, we had a lot of different ideas, but we, we, you know, we talked about listening to the small voice inside instead of the outside voices. And we talked about being part of a community that helps you hear. Uh, what else, my friends? That's good. Okay, that's what we got. A okay. Do I have one other group? <gasps> uh, we threw around a couple things, but I think some of it centered around the idea that uh, hands and feet uh, was the phrase that we used. I think um, the idea that uh, that we're it, right? That that it all works through us, and that that was uh, a hopeful thing in some cases, but also stressful and makes you feel a little anxious and maybe even sad when you see things that um, that should be working through people not sort of living up to that. Thank you, thank you. So friends, we are gonna talk about that phrase today. God lives inside of us. Um, and we're starting with the guy who started Methodism, John Wesley. John Wesley wrote and preached extensively on the Holy Spirit. He emphasized the work of the Spirit in calling us to recognize that we cannot love like God loves on our own. Wesley understood the Holy Spirit to help heal our capacity to love like God. We need God's help to love others as fully as possible because our own pride, greed, anger, grief, trauma, and the actions of others all get in the way. In my own life, that has looked like homophobic words and actions of people who thought they were helping when they were definitely hurting. Or, for me, very personally, it's also looked like me passively aggressively avoiding conflict or cho choosing to stew in my anger and grief rather than address it head on and then I lash out at other people. On my own, I don't know what to do with that anger. I don't know what to do with that grief. It's the Holy Spirit who works inside of me to help me respond differently. Both our sin, personally, and our systemic sin, the sin that we are enmeshed in in our society, that sin breaks us down. And the Spirit of God is the agent of change in our day-to-day -day lives, a divine healing presence among our broken selves in our broken world. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul describes our messy situation like this. He says, I want to do good, but I don't always do it. I know the right thing to do, but I, I don't always do the right thing. Paul says he feels like he's at war with himself much of the time. And how is this war brought to an end? Paul's answer is the work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit in our bodies. My Old Testament professor in college, Dr. Tim Green, he loved Paul's answer. And one time I heard him preaching about Paul, and he kept repeating a phrase that sounded really weird at the time, and it has just stuck with me. And I, uh, I've not easily forgotten it. He said, God is into bodies. God is into bodies. Which is weird. That sounds really weird. But, like, we're going to unpack it, so it's okay. One of the most radical claims of Christianity is that God might be holy, different from us, not us. 
But that doesn't mean that God's far away. God is not absent from us. Paul writes that God's spirit dwells inside of us, bringing to life the parts of us that have been deadened by sin. When I'm tempted to gossip about someone who gets under my skin, the spirit calls attention to that desire. And I'm given the opportunity to make a choice. Am I going to talk about this person behind their back? Or will I hold my tongue in love? When we witness racism in action, the spirit raises the question of intervention. If in person, will I speak up on behalf of my brothers and sisters in Christ? If systemic, will I protest and vote to change racist policies? These questions are prompted by the Holy Spirit for the renewal of ourselves and the world through the love of God. Through this daily noticing, convicting, and challenging, God enlivens us. God is directing us through the Holy Spirit to heal our tendency to sin, or our tendency to harm our relationships with God, each other, and even ourselves. This transformation then is going to play out in our bodies, because sin isn't just a thing that's happening inside. It works its way out. We sin with our bodies, and so it is through our bodies, then, that we are renewed, that we are transformed, so that these same bodies, so we, can then love like God loves. So, okay, so, so far, we've talked about how God is into bodies, enlivening and directing us so that sin can be healed, and we can love like God loves. And now we have to talk about the other emphasis of our creed on the Holy Spirit, comforting us. This is one of my favorite parts. So, one of the things that most often gets neglected about John Wesley's theology is the idea of assurance. Now, I want, I like when I, when I teach my kids, I want things to stick. So I'm going to say that word again, and you're going to repeat it, okay? Not that you're kids, but you, adults are just big kids. Okay, so I'm going to say assurance. assurance. Great, we're not going to forget that word. One more time. Assurance. Wonderful. So you may be familiar with this concept through John Wesley's brother, Charles. He wrote this hymn called Blessed Assurance. You might know it if you don't know it. It's in 369 in your hymnal. And I have asked Sandra to please play the very first verse. We're not going to do the chorus. As much as you want to belt that chorus, I know you do. We're just going to do the first verse. And we're going to sing it together. And I'm not going to hold the microphone up to my mouth in case I get the tune or the tempo wrong. Okay. She's great like that. So, that phrase says a lot of theological things. Uh, The born of his spirit part, right, that's a reference to baptism. When you go under the water, 
You're dead in your sin. When you come back up, you have been reborn. And who birthed you? The Holy Spirit. So that part's not that tricky. We saw that in action today. That was pretty cool. But what about that first part? The very first part. Blessed assurance. What exactly are we being assured of? Have you ever thought about that? How many times have you sung that song and you just went right through it and you were like, hmm, yeah, Holy Spirit, Jesus, woo. But like, what, what do we need to be assured of? In his diary, John Wesley wrote regularly about his fear of not having salvation. Now, I tend to think of salvation in terms of a relationship with God more so than a status or a checkbox. Um, I think Wesley also comes to that understanding later in his life, but as a younger man, he was, well, he was worried about his status as well. And so one night at a Bible study on Romans, he experiences what he calls having his heart strangely warmed. And that's accompanied by a confidence, an assurance that God had indeed taken away his sins. This assurance would define much of his ministry, as he would preach that the Holy Spirit assures us of our salvation as the Spirit dwells inside of us. The Spirit further affirms God's presence with us, strengthening our faith when life gets really hard, and confirming that we are doing God's work in the world, or, alternatively, telling us what you're doing is not God's work in the world, and something needs to change. In the Anglican Church, when Wesley was preaching, let's see, the numbers are always hard. It was the 1700s, like the 18th century. In the Anglican Church at the time, it was a big no-no to preach anywhere that was not the church. You had to preach in a church building. Why? Reasons. I don't know, but the Anglicans said that. And Wesley said, that's not good enough. I need to go where the people are. So he starts preaching in fields. And when his detractors come after him and saying, why are you preaching in the fields and not in the church building? He referenced the call of the Holy Spirit to go out to where people are rather than just expecting them to walk in the church. Through the Holy Spirit, he says, the world is my parish. And in doing so, he followed the lead of the early church. According to the book of Acts, some people heard the disciples speaking in different languages on the day of Pentecost, and they thought they were crazy. They said, those people must just be drunk. And then Peter stood in as group representative, as Peter often does. And he tells the crowd gathered there that the words of the prophet Joel were being fulfilled. God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Even upon slaves, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. The disciples weren't drunk. Followers of Jesus from different economic backgrounds, ethnic identities, and genders were all empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in different languages and proclaim the gospel. John Wesley's making a similar claim. He said, I'm not crazy. I'm doing what the Holy Spirit has called me to do. And he was assured that this was indeed the right course of action. Since that first Pentecost, Marginalized people have called upon the authority of the Holy Spirit to claim that they too could do the work of God. For example, in 19th century America, black women like Jarena Lee and Sojourner Truth claimed that the Spirit had called them to preach in visions and in dreams when both black male church leadership and white folks said such a thing could never happen. 
So when challenged, they said, well, I don't report to you. The Holy Spirit called me to preach, and so that is what I'm going to do. One of their contemporaries, another black female preacher named Zilpha Elaw, even argued for racial equality on the grounds that God poured out God's spirit on all people. So God is pleased to dwell in all people. And if God's willing to live inside of every single person, then shouldn't every single person get the same treatment? If God loves everybody the same, why can't you? In our own time, we find LGBTQ plus people throughout the United Methodist Church claiming assurance that they too belong to the body of Christ. And many have even expressed a call to ministry. Whether on the basis of race, gender, or sexual orientation, marginalized Christians' experiences of assurance in concert with scripture and tradition have affirmed their right to participate fully in the body of Christ. And how do they know? The gift of assurance. This gift is from the Holy Spirit, who as Paul writes, testifies that we are the children of God. Can we say, we are the children of God? We know this because the Holy Spirit assures us of this truth. We are God's children, and we are participating in God's healing work in the world. So we have said that God is into bodies, transforming us from the inside out to heal our tendency to sin. And that this same God offers us through the Holy Spirit a blessed assurance that we do indeed belong to the body of Christ. And the work that we're doing for love, for justice, in Christ's name, these things really are things that God has told us to do. So now what do we do with that? Because, like, I personally get really stuck when people throw theological ideas at me. It's like, well, what do I do now? Because those were great ideas, but now I need something to do. And so I have three suggestions. And, um, okay, in your bulletins... You got these little poorly cut out pieces of paper with pictures on them. They were supposed to be cut out better, but I did not do better. So we're going to pretend like it's a metaphor for how our bodies aren't perfect, but God still uses them. That's what we're going to do with these. Okay, great. So, on this little bookmark... I, you know, people don't get things. You know, adults don't get things to take home after church. The kids always make a craft and they get to take it home. I thought y'all needed something. So, on this I have a dove. Represents the Holy Spirit. God is into bodies. So you don't forget the fun phrase. Some music notes and blessed assurance because we sang together. And then a neat little picture of Zilpha Elaw. So you don't forget her. Because she's important. So, you also have pens in your pew backs. And you have an assignment. It starts right now. I'm going to list three things that we can do with this information that we have gotten today. About the Holy Spirit, about assurance, about how God is into bodies. And I want you to write them down on the back of your bookmark. Because when you write things down, you remember them better. I hear lots of pens clicking. I think we're, we're are we good to go. Put a, put, hold your bookmark in the air. Wave it in the air if you're ready. Yes, we love that. Okay. So, first thing. First thing we can do with this knowledge about assurance, about the Holy Spirit, about how God is into bodies, we can pray. When you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart, pause for as long as you can spare. 
and take some time to listen. How can we hear the Spirit assuring us of our place in the family of God, comforting us when times get hard, or directing us to love others in new ways if we aren't listening? We have to stop and listen. Number two is check in. Sometimes the Spirit speaks most clearly through our trusted friends and family. At the end of the day or at the end of a week, check in with somebody that you trust, a spouse, a friend, whoever, and ask one another where you believe the Spirit was calling you to in this day or in this week. How did you respond? How did it feel in your body when you showed somebody God's love? Or, alternatively, how did it feel if you chose not to? And three, seek out mentors. Those who have followed Christ longer than you often have greater insight as to how one discerns the call of the Spirit. They have more years of experience listening, making mistakes, and growing by God's grace even after those mistakes have happened. Our elders are invaluable resources in our church community, and I have little doubt that they would love to be a part of your journey of faith. And so here, at the end, I bring us back to the scripture that we started with, from John 14. The Holy Spirit, the Advocate, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't let them be afraid. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That Holy Spirit assures us of our place in the body of Christ. We need not be afraid because God is going with us. God lives in our bodies. We belong to God, and God claims us as well. May we, enlivened and directed by the Spirit who lives in us, be transformed to love God ourselves, and one another. May we, comforted by the Spirit who claims us, be assured that we are indeed part of God's family, and we are participating in God's redemptive work in the world. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.